from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castelbrus. I hope he is a bit less conspicuous this time. You might be a doctor, but I am. I'm a doctor. That's probably not the one you expect. Absolutely fantastic. All of time and space, everything that ever happened or ever will. Where do you want to start? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Big On the Inside, the new Dot Two Watch Along podcast. Um, for the last few weeks, Harry's been away, and I've been joined by Harrison. And I think it's fair to say that a lot of you enjoy Harrison because he gets the bigger views. The videos that Harrison's in, more people listen to him, more people watch. Um, unfortunately, Harrison was busy this week, so I had to bring in an old, I, w- I wouldn't say friend, I would just say podcast co-host, Harry Maddock. Hello, Harry. Hello, acquaintance, Tim. <laughs> Been away. Wild work acquaintance. Been away for two weeks and that's your grand re-entrance. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, good to be back. It's good to be back. It's nice to have you back. Um, you said before that you didn't think there was much news this week, but there is one, two, three, four, four or five different bits of news we're going to get through. We're going to be talking about, of course, the new Knife Doctor Big Finish covers, um, BBC Free returning, and uh, the possible of Torchwood returning. But I'm going to start with Russell T. Davis returning to the world of Doctor Who with Big Finish, because there was some new news about his story. How um, how up-to-date and familiar are you with this, Harry? Uh, I hadn't heard anything beyond the fact that he'd kind of found the old script in his attic and that Big Finish were adapting it. Yeah, so that was the news we touched on maybe about four or five weeks ago now. But since then, they have announced that it will be a Colin Baker and Bonnie Langford episode, um, story. So Six Doctor and Mel... Um, who later went on to be the Seventh Doctor in Mel and, of course, the Seventh Doctor in Ace. So um, I think we said it was going to be a Colin Baker episode when we counted back what year it was and if he had wrote mm. it with that the Doctor of the Era when he was writing it, which I was quite surprised with. I thought Russell maybe would have wrote for a classic Doctor, uh, a more classic Doctor than Colin. He would have gone back further. Hmm. I mean, did he write... My impression is that he wrote this script with the intention of it... Like kind of submitting it to the BBC and it being adapted into an actual episode. So if that's the case, yeah. I don't know if that was the case, kind of... but I imagine he would he would write it thinking this should be on TV because otherwise, why would you why would you bother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we also know it's going to be called. Here we go. The Mind of Herdiac. H O D I A C. Herdiac. Hodiac. How would you pronounce that? I don't know. I don't have the spelling in front of me. H O D I A C. Hodiak. The Mind of Hodiak, uh, written by Russell T. Davis and adapted to Big Finish by Scott Hancock. (laughs) Scott. So, um, (laughs) such a a silly, childish joke, but I do it every time. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, The Six Doctor isn't my favourite Doctor. If I really had to pick, it would have been a a Tom Baker episode. That would have been amazing to have a Tom Baker, Russell T. Davis episode but maybe something off-kilter and a little bit different to what we were expecting will be actually quite fun. Essentially, because this, this script, I presume, will have been written something like 20 years before Russell actually wrote for yeah. the TV show. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how different his writing style was, whether he attempted to match the tone of the show at the time, whether he's totally off doing his own thing, whether it actually resembles what he ended up 
ended up doing in 2005. Everybody just wants chips. I'll be Mel, Mel just wants chips. That's all she wants. They're still listening to Tainted Love. <laughs> just a Dr. Did, Bobbin. I mean, was Tainted Love out um, during that time? I don't know, because I'm going to Google when Tainted Love came out by Soft Cell, but I also don't know when uh, Russell originally wrote this episode. Tainted Cell came out in 1965. That can't be right. 65? No, Tainted Love is an older song. Like, Soft Cell's version is a cover. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Let me have a look. Yes. Tainted Love. Um, I mean, the Soft Cell version is the best version, I reckon. I didn't Most know there was a, I didn't know there was a, another version. I thought it was only the uh, Soft Cell version. Oh, I can't see on here. Oh, here we go. Um... That's by... Uh, why isn't it on here? Why isn't this just so easy to find? Uh, 81. It's one. Yeah. So I think it, it was, was out. Yeah. yeah. It was out. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you wrote this in. I want to say '86. I want to say. Mm. So it was just kind of a modern song. Yeah. Um, I really hope they put it in. That'd be great. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm not a big, big Finnish fan. I know me and Harrison previously have done big Finnish battles, and I've always been semi-critical of some of them. But I think a lot of people are starting to join on to Big Finish now, especially... I think, it... yeah. Sorry, go on. Especially since kind of... I was just going to say, it's probably what you were going to say, kind of especially since Big Finish has started to produce content more directly linked to New Who. Yeah. So that's obviously been a big pull for kind of people who currently watch the show. Yeah, I know some of my exposure to Classic Doctors was sometimes first through Big Finish... Um, I want to say the fourth Doctor. I want to say the first time I really got involved in a fourth Doctor story was a big Finnish one. I know they did one, I think they did one for the 40th, and I can't remember what it was called, but it had Tom Baker, Peter Stevens, and Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, and Paul McGann in it. Um, All the big Finnish Doctors. Yeah, and that was really good. That was really, really fun. That was one of the first things I ever listened to from Big Finnish. That was great. Um, in other news, BBC Three is on the return. Um, I was very excited by this because BBC Three was a channel I really liked as a kid. And then just as I sort of became of age to really enjoy it, um, the BBC took it off the air and it became an online channel only. And now they've announced that in January 2022, Big uh, Big Finish, BBC Three will be returning. And uh, for those who don't know, Big Finish was the original home of Torchwood, the very first series of Torchwood, Doctor Who repeats and Doctor Who Confidential, one of my favourite shows. Um, I was kind of hoping then that by big BBC Three coming back, a lot of people are also now asking if any of those shows will also return. I mean, I think that'd be cool. Although there's a there's a very specific reason which makes me partially doubtful of at least confidential. Torchwood, I could see happening, yeah. um, and it's for this reason. Um, they've said quite explicitly. That the content they're going to produce for BBC Three is going to be aimed at kind of um, a younger adult audience, aka ages eighteen through to thirty-five. That's us. Yeah. For that reason, I can envisage Torchwood, which was always a bit of a more mature take on the world of Doctor Who. I could see something like that 
fitting quite comfortably into yeah. that bracket. The confidential kind of behind the scenes show on Doctor Who. The reason I'm doubtful of that is that I feel like, at least in the BBC's mind, people who watch Doctor Who are either kids, aka below that age bracket, or long-time fans, aka people potentially above the age of 35. Yeah. And obviously, you know, where we prove that wrong because we watch the show and we're very much within that bracket. Yeah. But it depends on how the BBC views that whole thing. Did you watch but I can see them thinking. Sorry, go on. Uh, I watched... Do your thing first and answer my question. But I was just going to say, the BBC could very easily say, oh, no, Confidential doesn't really fit the uh, age bracket that we want to target BBC at, three at, and we don't want to muddle our kind of branding and message with that channel bringing it back. Yeah. Did you watch Confidential? I watched at least a couple of episodes. I remember watching the one for Doomsday. Um, I remember watching the one for... Um, science in the library. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't. Watch, I wasn't like a religious repeat viewer, but every now and then, um, after an episode of Doctor Who, if there wasn't something that say my parents wanted to watch immediately afterwards, yeah. me and Alex might pop it on. I used to love Confidential. As I remember, I used to get as excited about watching Confidential after Doctor Who as much as I did about Doctor Who. So you'd have Doctor Who at say seven to seven forty-five. And then usually about 7.45 to quarter past eight, you would have Confidential. That might be slightly wrong. And then on when they would then repeat Doctor Who on the Sunday, Confidential would be reduced to 15 minutes. So you would have the same thing, but it would only finish at eight instead of the extra half an hour. And I, I, I put a lot of um, love onto Confidential for the fact that I'm studying film studies now because... I watched Doctor Who and then I was obsessed with that and I wanted more Doctor Who because when I first started watching Doctor Who, there wasn't the Sarah Jane Adventures. There wasn't Torchwood. Or that might, no, there would have been Torchwood, but not for me. I was too young for it. So the only real next thing I could get was Confidential. So I would watch Confidential just because it was more Doctor Who content. Wasn't there, wasn't there like a CBBC magazine show before Sarah Jane called like Totally Doctor Who or something? Yeah, well, this is the thing. There was Doctor Who Confidential... And then there was sort of a more kiddie version of that called Totally Doctor Who, um, which was great. I really liked that as a kid. But Doctor Who Confidential especially, I think, inspired a lot of people who are now Doctor Who fans and filmmakers because they watched Doctor Who Confidential. I know I watched that and I was probably, you know, I would have been about seven and eight, blown away by how, like, fun it looked to make Doctor Who. And I think they should bring shows like that back because I think it heavily inspires people to become filmmakers and work in TV and media. Torchwood had a confidential too, didn't they? Was it Torchwood Declassified? Yeah, I think they did actually, yeah. I've completely forgotten about that. I think they had something like that, yeah. But I, I think, I don't know, but I don't think, like what you said, I don't think Confidential would come back. I've, but I really, really wish they would stick At least not to, to BBC Three. Yeah, I really wish they would bring some sort of behind-the-scenes show back, even if it's just online on YouTube. I know they do something at the moment, but it's very sort of kid-friendly, and it's more like, here's Jodie, and she's got a hand in a box, and what's in the box, and see her reaction, more than this is how the green screen works, this is how the explosion works, this is the writing process. And I think a lot of kids, as much as kids and I, I, you know, I quite like, seeing John Barrowman answer questions on the internet, someone searched questions about Captain Jack. 
of him doing American slang or whatever John Barham is doing. But I think a lot of people would much rather see how a show is actually made. What do you think of that? Mm. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm huge now. I mean, there's certain shows and properties where I think I actually prefer the behind the scenes making of more than the final product. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say, like, I, I love Star Wars. I think Star Wars is great. But part of me actually enjoys the behind the scenes stories and the making of Star Wars more than the Star Wars films themselves. Yeah. Like, I've probably watched more behind the scenes footage than I have watched the actual films. Like, oh, to that extent. Especially with the Just Mandalorian. Like mm-hmm. I've not but, watched them. Well, I haven't. I've only Either. seen... I saw... I think, did I watch the first series? I want to say... I watched I the first seen the, series. I haven't seen the second series. But I've watched loads of behind-the-scenes stuff in the Mandalorian with those big LED screens like they have instead of green screens, mm-hmm. and a lot of it isn't even filmed on set. Stuff like that's amazing. I mean, it's great. They should, yeah. And absolutely. I know WandaVision's doing it this coming Friday. Um, the series wrapped. So this week... Instead of getting a WandaVision episode, you're getting like a behind the scenes of how they made WandaVision. That's going to mm. be great fun, I feel. For, I, th- I, I think that's something that Disney Plus does really well and something that I'm quite disappointed by by Netflix is you watch Stranger Things and that's it. I think the mm. best thing about There's buying... no additional yeah, things. I'm going to yeah. pick up... Let me pick up... Um, I'm just looking at my shelf here. So I'm going to pick up um, a modern movie. I'm going to pick up Spider-Man Far From Home. These are both on DVD. And then I'm going to pick up an older one, Doctor Who Series 4. Oh, dear. Um, on Doctor Who Series 4, I don't know if you've ever opened this, um, is a bit, it's a big box set, granted, but there is loads of bonus behind the scenes. Every episode of Confidential, there'll be lots of, uh, what do you call them, audio commentaries will be on here. There'll be all sorts of stuff on there um, for people who want to know how they made the show. But then something like an MCU property, which is massive, um, I can watch a, sh- a short film that was cut from the film, bloopers and deleted scenes. There's no audio commentary, no behind the scenes making of, there's nothing. And I think that's, a, I've always sort of found that quite disappointing. But now it seems that if I go on to Disney+, Plus, they have a new section of extras and, del- and actual makings of, rather than you know, what you would normally find on additional features on DVDs. Yeah, I mean, I think every single Star Wars film on there, next to it, when you select it, there's like the behind-the-scenes featurette, which is yeah. also feature-length. And they're great. They're so much fun to watch. Now you will sometimes just watch them instead of watching the movie. Mm. I know when I was yeah, a kid, I, 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 I don't really watch Last Jedi twice. <laughs> like, like, I don't really watch Last Jedi twice in cinemas. So like, I looked Chris on Disney+, Plus, and I was like, Oh, there's a Direction of Jedi thing. That'll be interesting. I mean, yeah. check that out. Yeah, and... last yeah last Star Wars day, I didn't watch any films or TV shows. I think I watched was it like the Round Table or something for the Mandalorian, where they talked to all the different directors and how they put different spins on it. So that was great. The last Star Wars film I watched was the was it called Empire of Dreams? That documentary about the original trilogy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's on YouTube, I think. I found it was on. It's been added to Disney Plus as well. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah, but that, that's the that's actually the last Star Wars film I watched. <laughs> There's also some great Pixar stuff on Disney Plus, like Inside Pixar, where they Pixar uh, always have great behind the scenes. There's one on Disney Plus now, and it's about the costume design. I have no interest in costume design, but like it shows you the how this woman she just sits in cafes and sketches people and 
comes up with these new worlds and there's one about soul as well and how they really wanted to include different aspects of black american culture and like the whole all things i've never even knew were part of that culture like the barbershop like a black barbershop is completely different to a barbershop you or i would go in and the way that was incorporated into the film i think it's really interesting and i, I do wish that um stuff like that was more accessible than it currently is anyway um 100%. back on to doctor who ollie alexandra has um he was asked on what well, I'm going to say. I'm going to just say it. I think it's one of the worst radio stations in the UK. Heart. Well, maybe maybe not their maybe not the worst, but their morning show. Jesus Christ, their breakfast show with Amanda Holden and Jamie Summer. It's just the, the I, worst. I, the only reason I know that's a thing is because I saw it advertised on the side, side of, of a bus. bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you like Amanda Holden I, I, laughing at every single, yeah, if you like Amanda Holden laughing at every single thing that anyone says. I'm sure it's the thing for you. Uh, but on there, you're talking about It's a Sin, and he was asked about if he knew about the rumours going around that he's one of the favourites to replace Jodie as Doctor Who. Oh, I want to get back into something about that, but he said that it's a great role, but his lips are sealed, so the generic response there from any actor when asked about if they would like to be Doctor Who is, I will say nothing in the hopes that they ever offer me it, or... I'm just saying it to keep my name circulating around. Um, but it's that interesting. It's interesting is, that you didn't say no. Yeah, that's the thing. Because if you hadn't been offered the role, hadn't been in talks or involved at all, you would just say, I imagine you would say, I've not been in any kind of conversations about that, uh, but I'd love to do it. Yeah. The fact he said keeping his lips sealed suggests that he might be at least in some kind of discussion audition stage right now. He yeah. could be under consideration. Yeah. That is a potential. I think he'd be great. I know there was um, another favourite I keep seeing popping up online as well. It's Tom Rosenthal, who is Johnny in Friday Night Dinner. He's also in Plebs, the ITV2 series. Oh, yeah. 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 He gets thrown around a lot. He got thrown around a lot last time as well. And at first I was like, oh, I don't really see it. But then I've sort of seen other photos of him. To be fair, the only thing I know him from is Friday Night Dinner. So seeing him in other stuff would be interesting. I've seen photos of him at photo shoots and stuff. And I think he, even he has said that he would be quite interested in the role as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, honestly, though, like, that's the first I've heard about that. But yeah. uh, going back to kind of Ollie, the, honestly, the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense as a casting choice to yeah. me. It's great. Kind of, I can yeah. see it being very tangible within the realm's possibility right yeah. now. And also something that I've noticed, not so much with Capaldi, is that um, whoever, and maybe with Capaldi, is that whoever is the Doctor usually has a very loose connection with the show. David Tennant had worked with Russell on Casanova. Eccleston had worked with Russell on The Leftovers? The Second Coming. The Second Coming. Um, I think the only one that hadn't done was Matt Smith hadn't worked with Stephen Moffat. Um, but and then there's he had Cap- worked with Billy Piper though. Yeah, he had. Yeah, and Capaldi had been in the show and was a fan, and I think he was quite public that he was a fan. Mm. Um, but I don't think he'd worked with Stephen Moffat. Yeah, and then he was all- in Broadchurch, of course. Yeah, and then Jodie was in Broadchurch. Yeah, and then obviously Ollie's worked with Russell, so that's a possibility. And also, I guess if you want to. 
um, go back looking. I think what a lot of people have done, and I know when we did our suggestion, is we went back and looked at broad church actors and stuff that who were people who had worked with Chibnall before, and there was a fair few people from broad church who I thought would be, you know, up with a good chance of being in it. Um, yeah. Do you want any? Uh, I think the only thing. Go. On. I was going to say the only thing now that I think could potentially prevent Broadchurch actors from playing the Doctor is that if Torchwood were to return in some capacity, either kind of on the main show recurring or as its own TV show, I imagine Chibnall wouldn't want to muddle things by also casting an actor originally on Broad on Torchwood in. Um... Wait, did you say Torchwood or Broadchurch? Broadchurch. Oh god, I got Broadchurch and Torchwood. <laughs> Ignore me. Ignore okay. me. Okay. I was a bit confused again. Um, have you seen the news about these new audio books we're getting? Um, as in, are those the audio books of the? TV episodes that have been novelised. Yeah, so a couple of weeks ago, you spoke about the fact that we're getting a few um, novelizations of um, Doctor Who episodes, often rewritten by the original writer involved. Mm. Apart from the TV movie, I think. Um, and we're getting now we're getting um, audiobook versions of these stories, and one of them is your favourite episode, Dalek. Um, yes, which which is. Which isn't being um, narrated by Jacob Dudman, an amazing Doctor impersonator, not by Peter Walsh, an amazing Christopher Eccleston impersonator, but by the voice of the Daleks, Nicholas Briggs, um, which means for a lot of people, I'm very excited that we are finally getting the return of um, Nicholas Briggs's ninth Doctor voice. Um, now, I did tweet a little clip of this out on the Bigger on the Inside Twitter. You go into the description wherever you listen to that. You can find that tweet uh, by direct link to our Twitter. Did you get a chance to listen to this? I I listened to the uh, clip that you uh, posted on Twitter, yeah. It's not good, is it? Um, There was one word in particular where most of it was kind of inoffensive to me. It was one word that maybe raise my eyebrows i think how does it feel was it that one <laughs> i think that was it i think it was feel i'm just uh, gonna try and find I, mean, I presume it that i presume that the reason they uh got nick to do it is because is he going to be like doing the dialog voice modulation for the i imagine so i imagine so yeah well that's why you do it if you're doing a dialog story it makes sense to get the voice of the daleks for it but couldn't they got like another actor to do the voice of chris well, then it wouldn't be an audio book. It would be bordering on audio drama, wouldn't it? Yeah, I guess. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to play a 18-second clip. And there was a savagery to it that he didn't know he'd had inside him. Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Completely powerless. Look at you. How does it feel? <laughs> <laughs> What do you think to that, Harry? I feel like the thing that kind of makes it work less is the fact that obviously all of that dialogue, or at least almost all of it, 99% of it, we've already heard said, delivered by Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. 
And I feel like no impersonation of Christopher Eccleston's voice is ever going to compare to the actual Christopher Eccleston saying it. And because we have that direct comparison, it's always going to make us think... But there are some really good Christopher Eccleston impersonators out there. If you go on to the Doctor Who YouTube channel, they did a thing over lockdown where they did like a short audio thing where all the Doctors come together and every single one is played by voice actors. John Coleshaw's in there, Jacob Dudman, Elliot Crosley, who has done trailers for this very channel. And um, Peter Walsh, I want to say, did the voice of the Knife Doctor. He also does a Twelfth Doctor as well. And it's amazing, his Knife Doctor. It's fantastic. Well, no pun intended. It's fantastic. You can't, you can tell the difference, but it sounds better than that. And I and I worry that I, I don't worry. I have questions. One, did nobody listen to that and go, that does not sound good? And two, why why have they done it? <laughs> well, it's Big Finish Productions is run by Nick Briggs, right? But this isn't a Big Finish production. This is a BBC Doctor Who <laughs> target thing. Oh. Yeah, that's that's why I question it. Is it they don't have to have Nicholas Briggs in it. Obviously he's the voice of the Daleks, it'd be great to have him in it for that. But this isn't a big finished product. Hmm. I I, I can't say now. Then <laughs> I mean I can only suggest for the future that perhaps instead of trying to put on a voice, just kind of deliver it in his own voice. Yeah. If he's okay. gonna be doing a doctor in the future, maybe yeah. in this nature. There was something I've, uh, before we go into the final news about the Knife Doctor news stories, is something that we I wanted to touch on when we talked about Ollie Alexandra. Is that I think we touched on it briefly the other week. Is that I can't remember if it was with you or Harrison now, but the fact that there was only really one article saying that Jodie was going to be leaving Doctor Who, and since then everybody's just, just taking that as solid, granted evidence that she will be leaving. Um, I don't want to ask you whether you think she'll be leaving or not. We can save that for another episode. But what I want to talk about is if she is leaving, how do you think they will go about it story-wise with a reduced series? Um, I feel like they'll likely do what's been done for um, every New Who Doctor since Tenant, which is have a regeneration for like the holiday special mm. personally i'd actually quite like to see a series finale regeneration just to shake shake things up yeah um yeah i i don't know what their plan is or what the plot will be i feel like if there's gonna be a finale of jody i feel and that will be her regeneration story i feel like it would make sense to tie it into either the daleks or the master yeah seeing as those have been recurring for her or maybe even did did the did we see what did Lone Cybermen like die at the end of series twelve? You're asking the wrong person there, Harry. <laughs> I want to say I yeah. Can't remember. I can't remember because personally, I think the Lone Cybermen man um, was a brilliant, brilliant is a brilliant villain. So yeah. maybe even bringing him back and tying him into the story at. I feel like one of those three recurrent villains who've been kind of very prominent during Jodie's run, bringing them back to just kind of tie things up. Yeah. So either yeah. the Lone Simon, the Daleks, or Tim Shaw. 
Not Tim. I said the master. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I miss yeah. you saying the master. I don't I didn't feel like. <laughs> I feel yeah, like I'm not that. Sure. Well, I know we've spoken about it before, and I think maybe we even said it on the channel. Um, if not, I really want to do a video on our ideas for the 60th. I think we did do it, didn't we? I think we spoke about companions and also. Sure um, but I think I mentioned that I like the idea of the master and the Daleks working together. And I think that would be a great way to send Jody out is that mm. have that holiday special with the Daleks. That's become tradition. And then bringing Sasha Dewar's master into that and then obliterate Jody out of, um, sorry, obliterate the 13th Doctor because we'll only get comments saying, if he should have been obliterated ages ago, uh, you know, 13th into the 14th Doctor. Um, I think that'd be a great way to go out. Especially, I that'd be especially sorry, strong. I, I, I should just say, would... um, also, I would like to have a relationship with Yaz developed onto that, but not so much so that when 13 regenerates into 14, assuming that Yaz is still there, we don't have another Clara Capaldi situation. Yeah, I feel like if you were to bring back um, Sasha's Master and the Daleks uh, together for the finale, I feel like that would really work as a kind of culmination of kind of Jodie's run because I feel like that would uh, bring really bring together everything, all the strongest elements from uh, Jodie's tenure because I feel like some of the strongest elements have been a... Um, Sasha Dallin's master, which yeah. I think has been really, really good. And also I feel like the way that Chibnall has um, handled the Daleks has been really well done. I feel like that he's kind of, I don't know, brought something to the Daleks. I can't really say what. I feel like just kind of, he's brought a level of threat to them back that I feel like It's because perhaps... they're, not, they're not a constant. They're not there throughout the main yeah. series. So you look forward to seeing them rather than going, oh, it's a Dalek episode. Mm, yeah. So, by I remember when they announced when they did the trailer for the first special, and they teased the Dalek in there. I was like, "Oh, brilliant! That's really cool!" And I was excited to see them. Whereas if it's just like episode seven or whatever, I'm like, "Oh, cool! We'll sit through the Dalek episode." And that, you know, that's kind of going to be the highlight of the series. So, whatever's going to come from there is just not going to be as as fun. But then, but which isn't as true with series with series three because they had the Daleks halfway through, then they had the master at the end. But when you know, yeah. you, can, you can sort of tell where by structure of what monster appears where, how the series is going to flow. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, onwards and upwards, Harold. Um, the biggest news this week, and one that I know a lot of our listeners have been looking forward to listening to the most, is that there was the reveal of all of the all the covers of the first box set of the Ninth Doctor's audio adventures for Big Finish Ravages. Ravages? Ravages? Is it Ravages? Ravages. We'll go with that. Um, all written by Nicholas Briggs, um, who's an amazing writer at Big Finish, with the actual Christopher Eccleston doing the voice of the Doctor. Um, very excited. What did you think of the covers? Um, are these all the... Co- the three covers we had, are those all these stories that we're getting, just to clarify, or are there more... For box set one, and then there is there is four box sets, and then there is um, three stories in each box set, I want to say. I'm not sure. You talk, oh, and I'll right. have a look. So we're getting a lot of Chris content down the line. 
Yeah, how many episodes did they say? I think they said 13 stories, didn't they? I can't remember. That's that. cool. That's cool. But now I think these are really good. Can I say it to you um, already? That I like just kind of how bold and kind of saturated and just bright these designs are. I find them yes. really kind of reminiscent of the aesthetic from series one in 2005. It kind of just a lot of the look that they've gone for really takes me back to that era. And yeah, they so have I that. really like it. Yeah, like you said, the saturated colors. I wish they had lent more into that sort of early 2000s branding. I think a lot of people really liked that you know, with sort of like the circular void thing. But yeah. I'm looking at them here. They're done by Tom Webster, I want to say. Um, he's a great guy, really part of the HR experience as well, the improv groups. So We're going to check them out on YouTube. They're really good fun. Uh, yeah, so Spheres of Freedom, Catalysm and Food Fight are the three episodes in box set one. Um, yeah, so three episodes in the first box set. There's four box sets altogether, three, six, nine. That's 12 episodes. Um, so, yeah, almost a whole second series of Nine Doctor Adventures, which is very exciting. No, yeah, just it's going to be it's going to be cool to see. I feel like I'm pretty much on board for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing that I am curious to hear now is Chris's performance and what his performance is going to sound like. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm optimistic that he's going to put in a really stellar performance. Um, Why is that? Well, just because, like, you know, he's a hardworking actor who puts the work in. But why? Like oh, he... sorry, you're optimistic about it. Sorry, yeah. So, yeah, you, you think he's. Yes, I am optimistic, yeah. yeah. Like, Chris is a hardworking actor who puts the work in for every role he does. So, I feel yeah. like we're going to see that, you know, you know, top that kind of top-level work uh, delivered here in Big Finish. Do you think there will be a noticeable difference between how he plays it in audience and how he plays it on TV? Do you think it will be seamless, or do you think that there will be a a jolting difference? Because I know sometimes when I listen to Tennant's audios, it's not quite the Tenth Doctor. It's just not quite right. I think because of the medium, it's hard to perfectly replicate exactly what you're going for, especially because do they record them in like kind of booths? Yeah. Um, yeah, because I know that some audio dramas, the way they direct it is that they actually have a sort of mini set that the actors kind of walk around and interact on to make the sound more naturalistic. Mm. Naturally, recording in kind of a booth, either stood up or sat down the whole time, you're not going to capture quite the same energy that you would on a TV show set. And you can hear that um, yeah. in the vocal delivery. Yeah, And so I think it's inevitable that the performance isn't going to be exactly the same, but I think that it will, I don't think it, I don't think it's going to be necessarily better or worse. I think it's just going to be different. And I imagine the type of different, which lends itself well to an audio drama. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, the Knife Doctor Adventures Ravages um, available May, 2021. So March, April, May, two months to go until the Knife Doctor returns. And for those interested, this isn't sponsored by Big Finish, but I'm just looking on the website now, written by Nicholas Briggs, starring Christopher Eccleston, available in May 2021. You can pre-order the CD for 25 quid or pre-order a digital version, which I think I'm going to do for 20 quid. Um, so I can listen to that whenever I like, by the phone when I'm out walking. Um, do you think you're going to pick one of these up? As someone uh, who isn't a Big Finish listener, um, do you think you would 
you would want to miss out on this? Perhaps, perhaps. I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to see kind of uh, how uh, financially confident I am <laughs> at the time. Because obviously, we'll go halves. Big finish. I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna be around. But it's, it's a big commitment. If I was to buy every single one of these stories, yeah, you know, it would pile up. Yeah. So I need to be very confident in that investment. Yeah, I wish they had maybe done it so you could buy the first episode on its own. So you could buy Spheres of Freedom on its own and listen to that and then go, oh, I like that. I will then buy that whole box set and listen to the other two. So mm. you got you got a taster of it rather than buying three episodes at 20 quid or whatever and then sort of going, oh, this isn't really for me. But for people who are interested, you can actually go on to Big Finish and there is some super cheap stories on there for like a couple of quid. And also there's a lot of classic ones which are like five parts, but the first part is often free. So if you want to get into it and sort of learn and sort of adapt to it, because it took me a while. If you go back and listen to the Big Finish battles we've done, the first ones are very critical of. Um, but the ones from there that I've listened to since, I recently listened to a Torchwood one, were great and I really enjoyed that. So I think mm. it maybe does take a little bit of getting used to. But um, for anybody interested, um, either with Harry or Harrison, whichever one um, comes first, we'll be going over these Knife Doctor stories to see what Chris's performance is like, how the return of the Knife Doctor is exciting or not as exciting as we hoped it would be, and um, also the possibility of Rose and Jack and Mickey and everybody else returning. Because I did speak to my friend um, Tom over at the Hellbent um, business that is what culture um, and he said there's a chance that even though it's a box set not each box set will continue the story that the last one told so you could have the three episodes in box set one set before the series, before the TV series and then box set two could be set within the timeline of the TV series and box set three, you know what I mean so they can jump around yeah, which, is, which is exciting because I would like to hear more Rose and Jack stories I know there's there is very small gaps where you can fit some of those in, but it would definitely be uh, fun, especially since Billy has yeah, absolutely. Done, Billy and John have done uh, some big finish stuff. I don't think Noel Clark has though, so we'll have to hold on for that. But that's enough news because that's all the news. Um, <laughs> so we're going to go into the uh, watch long segment of the episode this week, which is what Harry. Second to last, Army of Ghosts for Doomsday. Is it before. Army of Ghosts? It is Army of Ghosts. So next week will be our very last episode of Series 2 before we do our Series 2 um, ranking. And then you will have a couple of weeks of just special one-off episodes and then straight into Series 3, starting with The Runaway Bride, which we already did. Um, contrasting opinions on that a little bit. So tune in for that and enjoy the rest of the episode. I won't say goodbye because we're not going anywhere. This is a command from the Daleks. All listeners are demanded to subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe or you will be exterminated. Seek, locate, subscribe. in having you all.
Boo, that was rubbish news this week. The, the news this week, rubbish. Yeah, what were we, what were we I, playing say, I say, what were I say we good at? riddance. To the news. To the news. That that The most important bit of news that we just mentioned, good riddance. Yes. Let's hope this wasn't the week Tom Baker died. Because one day it will come up and it's either <laughs> going to stab us in the back or we will have covered it very well. <laughs> It's fifty-fifty. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll give you know good pathos. Uh, we might, you know, re-edit. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, if he does, I feel like maybe because I've not actually watched any Tom Baker uh, stories. I feel like we could almost like as a tribute, maybe go back to some of his kind of best stories and best, most well-known stories, just kind of to celebrate him in a way. If that yeah, we does could, like, happen, cash in on that, couldn't we? Uh, not cash in. I said pay tribute. Um, Doctor Who Series 2, Episode 12? 12, yeah. 12? It's called what, Harry? The Army of Ghosts by Russell T. Davis. Yeah. um, It's kind of an episode I always forget about because it's so involved with um, Doomsday that I always just tend to forget that it's its own standalone thing, that the events of this episode don't actually happen in Doomsday. But um, I'll get into what I thought. Unlike last week, I will ask Harry what he thought of the episode. Harry, what did you think of the Army of Ghosts? Considering it is, like you said, a part one of quite a epic two-part finale, I think that there is a lot in this episode that is really great and should not be taken for granted. There's lots of great moments. Uh, obviously, the cliffhanger is, it. you know, when I remember when I was six, that was like such a cool cliffhanger. I must, There's a lot to be said for Army of Ghosts. I, I will say now, this still is not the episode where I joined Doctor Who. I didn't see this one televised. We haven't so, got there yet. That must mean that Doomsday... Next week's one is going to be your is first. That... Was your first episode? Is that the only episode of Doctor Who, or was there more after that? Well, the, who there said was I, more who after said I joined that, but... in series two? I'm sure you did at some point. Well, maybe clearly, maybe not. The odds aren't looking good. Oh crikey! <laughs> Could uh, you have missed all of <laughs> all of series two? Never seen it. I only, I only know um, Peter Capaldi. He's my doctor. Um, sure he is. So I guess we should start with uh, the cold open. Yes. With Rose kind of saying quite forebodingly, this is the story of how I died. Yeah, that's my first note. And for someone who doesn't, who I thought, my understanding before this is that Rose and the doctor, they travel forever. And I was a pretty concerned when I heard that she. Um, this is a story of how she dies. Mm, yeah, I mean, obviously, breaking that joke for a minute, knowing what happens in Doomsday and how yeah. Rose technically dies. Do you feel like that's a cop out or just kind of a clever subversion of expectation? Um, okay, to break the joke, <laughs> um, I don't know. Just for a moment. I would feel if I was watching that at the time, which I wasn't because I haven't watched Doctor Who yet, so many jokes mm. being layered, um, I maybe would have felt a bit of a cop-out. But I don't know, because I would have been seven. 
So maybe I wouldn't have really had of any high expectations. But now, I would already be assuming that she didn't actually die. Otherwise, they wouldn't have said it. Okay. You feel like if she actually was going to die, they wouldn't have set it up and had it be a shock when she died. I think we maybe would have known that the character was leaving, but they maybe wouldn't have known mm. that the character was going to die. Yeah. But by saying guessing, that, it makes me think yeah. that therefore they're not actually going to die. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that by this point in the uh, series, it had been announced publicly that Billy Piper would be returning for Series 3. Yes, Series 3. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are we going back into the joke now? What are we doing? <laughs> No, wait, wait, because I, there's stuff about around surrounding the companions leaving and the companions entering that I want to talk about. Okay, uh, what what do you want to talk about? I'm so lost in jokes, not jokes. Well, like, okay, um, breaking the joke for a moment. Uh, this is kind of breaking fourth wall of our show moment because our show, for some reason, has a fourth wall. For everybody wondering what that slight um, irritating sound is, it is Harry talking and it also is Harry typing. Yes. Um, I can't find what I was looking for. Um, but um, obviously uh, Rose... Okay, sorry, I need to collect my thoughts. I All the talk of 4-4 just threw me out of it completely. <laughs> well, I'll go, to, I'll go to what I had next on my point, which is that the episode tries to recreate Billy Piper two years younger by putting her in a hoodie, sticking her on a bus and having some chips. Um, it's quite noticeable how different Billy Piper looks when you compare her to this episode in her blue hoodie, straight hair, compared to how she was with Christopher Eccleston with the big baggy jeans and the big hoodies. There's a big difference in the way that character is styled. Do you think so? I hadn't oh. really noticed. Oh yeah, definitely. If you think of Rose in episode one without weird pink hoodie that she has and then the baggy mm. jeans and the nikes and then go to this which is quite slimming black trousers and a blue hoodie i know she's like dressed as a scientist but there is i think there is a difference there i guess i mean a subtle one i feel like perhaps there was kind of an attempt to kind of move rose from looking like someone quite distinctly from 2005 to something a bit more timeless. Yeah, perhaps, yeah, just by putting her in clothes rather than distinctive 2005. And I suppose maybe because she yeah. has been out of time for so long mm. um, that... Perhaps she's, she's, like, the Doctor is dressed a bit more timelessly. Because I feel like the Doctor's costume, like, Eccl- both Eccleston and Hens' costumes are both rather timeless. Yeah. Obviously, Eccleston is wearing a Navy jacket, is it? But it's a German command navy jacket, I think. Yeah, is it, we, we yeah, did a tweet from like about World that a while War II. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then put... Tennant wears kind of a pinstripe suit, which you know, pinstripe suits haven't really gone out of fashion since they uh, first appeared. It's funny that you mentioned that she's starting to look like Tennant because Jackie also mentions that she's starting to look like Tennant. Well, not look, look like the Doctor. And I don't really, I didn't, when she said it, I was like, what's she on about? There's nothing like David Tennant. But I suppose by just the way she maybe holds herself and the way she talks, there is a noticeable mm-hmm. difference in the way Rose comes home in this episode to how she's come home in previous episodes. Yeah. What do you think about that whole observation and Jackie kind of worrying about Rose changing into someone who is not the girl she used to be? 
because of that like a lot of times in the show i've kind of felt on jackie's side and sorry for jackie but there i kind of felt well everyone changes over time yeah. you can't hold on to who someone used to be forever yeah it was when she said when i'm dead and buried what's going to stop you what's going to make you come back and then i started thinking well if you don't live in the same village or town where your parents live if you've moved back the only reason anybody really goes back to their home village is to see family and if family isn't there anymore, then therefore you've got no reason to go back there anywhere. So you just blow that up by a million so that your home village is actually just your home planet. Mm. Like, I live... Yeah. I know it's a bit different for myself, because at the moment I only live 20 minutes away from my actual home, so it doesn't really feel that much different. But if I was to live, I don't know, uh, down south somewhere, I would maybe feel slightly different going back home all the time. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thinking now, like, if I were, when I eventually get to an age and point with money where I can afford to live somewhere that isn't my parents' house, if I lived out of town, would I have any reason to come back to Hull if they grew old and, you know, passed? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I have friends here in Hull, obviously. I don't, really, I don't really like being in Hull where my parents are alive. Never mind. I would not laugh. <laughs> I don't really have any inkling to come back to Hull. Anyway, moving um, on from our feelings about our city. Um, the doctor at one point asks Rose, he says, how long do you plan on staying with me? And she, and she responds with, um, forever. Um, I was thinking, when was that? Because for the last few weeks, uh, anyway, the last few episodes anyway, uh, the Tenth Doctor has been very. You're not going to stay with me forever. Really, since school reunion where he remet Sarah, um, Sarah Jane. There's been mm. that sort of. I can spend. You can spend the rest of your life with me, but I can't spend the rest of my life with yours. So he's already sort of aware that even though he loves Rose, she isn't going to be around forever. I mean, that actually did make me wonder about when, in kind of like the production timeline of this show, this finale was written and shot. Because I'm inclined to believe that because there's a lot of shooting done kind of in London on that estate, this might have been one of, if not the first episode of this series shot because just of the convenience of kind of shooting this after Christmas Invasion, you'd have to change location or anything. Well, you say London, but it is it's Cardiff still. It's still filmed in Cardiff. The only thing that's London is What about this is Sorry. not just Rose's like flat and stuff where Jackie lives, is that not an actual London? I believe that is um I'm just having a location. I believe that is London. Um the comic silver screen is in Peckham. So that is in London. Hmm. But what you will the the park where they land the playground park where the TARDIS lands that's in Wales because I've been oh and a lot of the next episode where they see the Doctor and all that walking around London in Canary Wharf yeah is also um, Cardiff the only things that are London are really the exterior shots of iconic buildings but even then when they did um, they did ah, bloody hell what episode was it there's an episode, it's, we, we've done it in the last few seasons, 
Oh, it is the uh, Age of Steel Rise of the Cybermen one, where it's meant to look like London. So they filmed them in Cardiff and just photoshopped the uh, Houses of Parliament in the background. Oh, really? Yeah, so They're a lot of it is, even though it's set, meant to be set in London, a lot of it is uh, still in Wales. I mean, I know that, like, because obviously the whole thing is that Doctor Who has the Cardiff production team. Are there any other shows that often use Cardiff as kind of a replacement for London? I don't know about exterior-wise, but when I went to the BBC studios in, in Cardiff and I got to go on the 11th Doctor's TARDIS, his second one. Um, oh, yeah. They were saying the that... The David Doctor one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were saying that... Uh, what, am I, what am I on about? No, like, I think it's either like Casualty or The Bill or somewhere, films around there. Um, his Dark Materials, I think, films in the studios there as well. Yeah, that was the Cardiff production team, yeah. definitely. So I think there's a lot of stuff, obviously Torture as well, which we'll get to at the end of this. Ah, uh, yeah. yes. There's definitely a lot that goes on there. I think it is now, like, when I spoke to Daniel Evans, we were saying how a lot of it is sort of moving out of London and is now just sort of, is Wales and is uh, Manchester. Manchester. Yeah, I mean, even, uh, I believe that um, the new series of First Dates has moved to Manchester. Yeah, I think it has. I'm not sure if that's just lockdown reasons, though. No, no, it's just because they wanted a change of kind of pace, a different feel to kind of show there's more of the UK. I mean, Channel 4 especially are kind of really moving out of London. Their new headquarters is going to be Leeds. Leeds, 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 Leeds. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good for us. I can't know. wait. Yeah, it had genuinely, I know like this is a Doctor Who podcast and so we've gone a bit media-y, but I am genuinely excited about the fact Channel 4 have come to Leeds and that ITV and BBC, well, some of the BBC, have come to Manchester yeah. anyway. That's great. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Jackie kisses the Doctor. You remember Doctor Who? Remember that when we were talking about that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Jackie, yes, that was something I picked up on. Jackie kissing the Doctor. Was it multiple times? She gives him hugs and kisses and says, "You big lovely man" and stuff like that. Whereas when the Ninth Doctor she arrives, takes, she gives him a slap or something like that. She's much fonder of the Tenth Doctor than she ever was of the Ninth Doctor. Yeah. Do you think that's just because she'd wanted a Doctor naturally, or do you think it's something to do with the Tenth Doctor himself that she prefers over Eccleston? I think that well, the Ninth Doctor would never go inside Jackie's house, did he? She didn't. She she invited him in, didn't she, for food that one time? And he says, "No, I don't do that. You're either you either stay and have pie with your mum now, or or I'm never coming back." <laughs> Whereas the Tenth Doctor, he had Christmas dinner with the Tyler family. Yeah. I mean, the the only thing I can think maybe to kind of connect it over is that I remember in um, The Parting of the Ways, yeah. Jack, there was a bit where Jackie kind of talked about how in that moment she loved the Doctor because he'd chosen to save Rose and send her home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But is that just because... Yeah. Does she just love him because she's not with the Ninth Doctor? That's true, that's true. Maybe the Ninth Doctor with his big grin was there she'd have slapped him <laughs> like if 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 rose had stayed and had survived and then rose came back and said never guess what happened i nearly died and this this and this She's like what was are you go- doing putting my rose in that life or death situation with big bins with lasers yeah yeah um we may as well stay on the topic of jackie she's great in this episode um 
when she's in the TARDIS and she says, if we end up on Mars, I'll kill you, is such a brilliant response. And the fact that the Doctor for the rest of the episode basically has to pass hair off as Rose Tyler. And the way he just casually insults her <laughs> to her face. It's great. great. It's so funny. Um, sorry, go on. Do you have something to say? I mean, part of me is surprised that I feel like if anyone other than the Doctor had insulted Jackie in that way, Rose wouldn't have let it slide. Rose would have <laughs> been really pissed off. But because, you know, it's the dreamy 10th Doctor, she kind of let it go. You upset my mum. You upset my mum. <laughs> uh, what did you think to the CGI ghosts that we see at the start of the episode? I thought, you know, it was a very simple effect, but it was a effective effect. Yeah. yeah I think I the walking a is a bit, bit weird. The... Uh... Sorry, go on. I, f- I, I, mean, I found it a bit weird initially that kind of everyone just assumed these were ghosts of dead loved ones, but yeah. then there's the scene where the Tenth Doctor explains kind of how it's just because they want to believe that's what it is, that's why they believe it. Yeah. What um, do you want to say about the effects? How they walk? Yeah, they walk very strange. Like when the when the ghost walks into Jackie's kitchen, it's like doing like this really weird sort of. Obviously, they are robots. Spoilers. Yeah. But they are doing like this weird sort of computer-generated walk. Obviously, they are computer-generated, but you know what I'm saying. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess, do you think maybe that was deliberate kind of to tease the fact that they were Cybermen? But I don't think me, so, because almost like the, pa- the like pace... Cybermen. The only time I noticed it was in the kitchen. It's the pace of the guy walking. He sort mm. of walks through the void, and then he's suddenly like, do-do-do-do-do, and then he turns and just stands there. And I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, they kind of sped up and slowed down. Yeah, it was very, very odd. Um, yeah. What else do we have in this episode that's worth talking about? Yvonne Hartman. One thing I did like... Oh, sorry, go on. One thing I did like about the ghost was kind of... It's a very similar thing to what I said I really liked about um, Aliens of London in Series 1. And the way you kind of, like, they flicked through the TV channels and you could see how... Oh, yeah. It's that great Russell T. Davis world building of how kind of the world was reacting to these ghosts. Yeah, that was great. Like on talk shows, they had had one on uh, EastEnders. Yeah. Uh, I liked the um, sort of the anime sort of side of it with like in Asia with everybody wearing like the uh, like sort of the anime t-shirt designs of the ghosts. That was great. Oh, yeah. Almost like, I don't know what, I, I, I don't know, I don't know what the correct classification is i don't want to say e-girls because i don't we're getting into like i'm really showing age and how far away from internet topics i am um it's not an e-girl because they they do twitch streaming so i've been told um i don't know just nerds <laughs> I, I don't know like i've been like I, I i'm not sure i'm not sure no, i know no. like there's like other like i don't know is this like I never like stands people who stand things. I don't know what the hell that means. Have you never heard of the word standing? Yeah, but I don't know what it means. I thought it was to do with Stan Lee when I first heard it. No, no, a stand is someone like when you stand, it's like something. It's a cross between a stalker and a fa- and a fan. Ah, so just an obsessive fan of something. Like uh, Back to the Future. Like you like get a, a lot of a... stand Back to the Future. Yeah, but you don't like no like. On Twitter, you get like K-pop stands who 
under any post like they'll post like a video of their favorite k-pop star like you don't just yeah. comment on random posts of clips from back to the future <laughs> no yeah. i don't could you say the same for Zack snyder stands i guess yeah i mean they kind of just refer to themselves as snyder fans to my knowledge but it's not like they're making like fan cams of Zack snyder i mean <laughs> i'm guessing there are Zack snyder fan there will cams be out there. there will be yeah. hashtag restore the snyder cut Let's uh, let's leave that where it is. I think they, I hope that the Snyder cut is just a four-hour-long fan cam of Henry Cavill <laughs> with all those like crash zooms and like pink films. Yeah, all those crash zooms. It's all time to music. <laughs> yeah, um, Yvonne Hartman. She's great in this, played by Tracy Ann Osmond. Osborne Osmond. I'll look it up while you talk about her. I don't know. What do you think to her? She was great. Uh, was she the uh, head of Torchwood? Yes, she was. Tracy Ann Urbanman. Yes, was, she... compl- was completely wrong. Yeah, she was very fun. She was very fun. I loved especially kind of the scene that still cuts to me was when the Doctor has appears in torture and she kind of comes through like just that very kind of yay, hooray! hooray. <laughs> it reminded hooray. me of when, um, when um, me and our mutual friend Matthew went to Comic Con in London and David Tennant was there. And literally, whenever he walked into a room, it was just a load of people going, yeah! Just clapping at him. <laughs> and then when yeah, I saw it back, a lot. Yeah, I think so. It was He fully embraced it, man. He was loving it. I think there's some clips online where he's like walking down the, the path to get to the photo shoot. And to get to the photo shoot, he has to walk past all of us. And he's like pumping his fists in the air and like as people like cheer and he's like giving people high fives. It was great. <laughs> pre-COVID days, man. Yeah, well, I have to do... I, I think we've said it in the past. I have to do a video where I mention weird stuff that's happened at conventions. Yeah, conventions sound whack. They're weird. They're also really yeah. fun. I do miss going. Uh, the ghosts on maybe TV... By oh, the yeah, time... Sorry, go on. Yeah, maybe by the time uh, this pandemic ends, we'll our channel will be big enough for us to be able to like go as guests to a convention. No, we'll just be those idiots who walk around with a camera and a microphone going up to people and asking them on the spot No, we'll, we'll, get, we'll set up like a stand next to uh, Colin Baker. Oh. Uh, yeah, that sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> um, we'll get a big, you know, like table set thing with the bigger on the inside logo. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Freema Rachman, yeah. she made her first appearance in this episode. Yes, that is what I was going to mention earlier before. Oh, okay, was you? In my track of thought. Yes, that we see from Adrian, who, of course, reappears in the next series as Martha. And it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Did, uh, did we know at this point, when the episode aired, that she was going to be Martha Jones in the look. next series? I'll have a look. But what do you think of... Do you struggle to look at, that, look at her and not see Martha? Oddly enough, no. It's a different enough character uh, that I just kind of buy into it. I know, I think that in the next series, this character is referred to as like Martha's like cousin or something. Like, oh, that. really? Yeah, because I'm sure Martha mentions like she had a relative who died in the Battle of Canary Wharf. Okay, so this episode aired. Um, oh, that's one of my questions for the quiz. Damn it. This episode aired oh, on the, the episode fir- yeah. This episode aired on the first of July two thousand and six, and Freema was announced as a new companion on the seven on the on the fifth of July two thousand and six. Okay, so the, the week 
so the week in the week after she appeared on the show, it was announced she was going to be okay. That tracks actually because I remember like on news round they had a like free Marin and saying like, look here she was on Doctor Who, and now you're going to be coming back as a companion, and she was all like, yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> oh, that's great. When I watch it, I think I don't think I noticed probably the first time after watching series three, it didn't stand out that that was Freema. I think someone had to point it out to me. Mm. Uh, but no, she's great. And it's quite fun to see. Obviously, there's quite a strong history of people being in Doctor Who before playing significant roles. You know, um, Peter, Colin Baker, Freema. Uh, Bradley Walsh, he was in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yes. And... Uh... I know, didn't um, David Bradley play the bad guy in oh, I did, say, yeah. Dinosaurs on a Spaceship? Yeah. Yeah, he did. I completely forgot about that. Uh, and then Mark Gatiss has been on the show countless times. Yeah, he hasn't been on it in a while, though. So it'd be cool to... No, he hasn't before. been involved in the Chibnall era at all. No, none of them have. It doesn't seem that any writers, from my understanding anyway, have carried over. Yeah, except... For Chibnall himself. Yeah. Um, fun Ghostbusters reference. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought... See, that was something that made me wonder, that scene made me wonder if this episode was filmed earlier because kind of the way that they turn goes into that kind of goofy voice doing that, I've been no ghost. Yeah. Kind of... I noticed there are a few... Very few kind of bits of this series here and there where you see David do like... a funny voice like there was a they already did some kind of went to some kind of voice in fear her and obviously in christmas invasion he does the whole his hand is a fat hand oh uh, yeah thing. it does doesn't it yeah oh yeah you're right there yeah, yeah. but yeah, i can't recall him and doing that's it again something, yeah like it's something you see kind of just a small handful of times in series two and then not at all um in series three and subsequent series which makes me wonder if that's something that David Tennant was kind of playing with. Yeah. Kind of while filming the earlier episodes before deciding this doesn't really work for the character and dropping it. No, yeah, it's a bit strange. Um, I liked it. When I spoke to Johnny Morris, big Finnish writer, he mentioned that he'd wrote that line into one of his 10th Doctor audio adventures as a callback. But um, the I'm Afraid of No Ghosts. Oh, I so see. but he was he said he'd be interested to know if it actually makes the final cut, but I, I don't actually know what um I can't remember what story we were talking about. Um I'll have a quick look in a minute when I ask you another question to stall some time. Um uh, 3D glasses, what did you think to the doctor wearing 3D glasses? This is the only time we actually see him wear 3D glasses. I'm not sure because like I've definitely seen kind of a lot of gifts of kind of the tenth doctor in 3D glasses. It's kind of become one of his iconic not regular outfits yeah all these accessories it's something you see quite a lot i think it works for him it's kind of one of those just kind of quirky little things where it doesn't i'm sure it makes sense to the doctor i'm sure there's some kind of scientific reason why he's looking with 3d glasses well they show the void they They show patterns of the void oh yeah Uh, it could have been Ghosts or The Tenth Doctor and River Song Adventures. When I'm not sure. It might have been one of those. Or it might have been one to come in the future. Another uh, thing which we see for the... F- oh, 
Yep. Another thing which we see or rather hear for the first time in this episode ah, yes. is uh, the Tenth Doctor's uh, now iconic catchphrase, Alon Z. Yeah, he does. And it, I hadn't realised that we hadn't heard it up to this point yet. Yeah, so um, I know that some people are actually the biggest fan of the Doctor having catchphrases. I mean, obviously, Eccleston had fantastic. Um, and I mean, I don't know. Did many classic Doctors have um, catchphrases? It was the Jelly Baby stuff, wasn't there? Yeah, the Jelly and Baby stuff. the third Doctor was reverse the polarity. Fourth Doctor's Jelly Baby. Of the Neutron Flow. The fifth Doctor yeah. is Sorry Mustache. And then, as far as I'm aware, six, seven, and eight don't have one. But I could be wrong. Hmm. So, what do you think of the Doctor having catchphrases, and what do you think of Alan Z? Um, Doctor having catchphrases, I don't mind. I quite like it. I was slightly disappointed Capaldi never had one. I remember sort of trying to work out what it was, but there isn't really one. There's iconic lines. Sure, it's be kind, kindness. In hindsight, or maybe just him shouting, or maybe just him shouting, Clara. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like it. I think it's fun. Alan Z, I, I think, is my favourite. Um, Fantastic and Alan Z work very naturally. From what I can remember from Geronimo, it doesn't work as naturally. It's almost like he's saying it because he knows he's got a catchphrase. I feel like the thing I like about Alan Z is that kind of it's French for let's go, isn't it? Yes. And I feel like that's a very kind of... It's got... It carries the energy of the Doctor, kind of saying let's go. The Doctor's always running around doing stuff. He's a very active character. So for his catchphrase to literally be, let's go, I feel is very appropriate. Yeah, and we should probably um, talk about the big return of the episode. We haven't seen since Rise of the Cybermen, slight hint there, and Age of Steel. It's Mickey Smith. Yeah, Mickey Smith. <laughs> when he, I was so excited when he came back. I mean, obviously, I know he's going to be there. I've seen this episode I had a before. Big grin on my face, and yeah. it's clear that in the time since we've last seen him, he's really grown. Like yeah. he's way more confident, and he's not obviously he's way over Rose. He's well over Rose at this point. Yeah, and he's I, like having fun. That was my next point. I thought is Mickey over Rose, and he definitely is. Because there's a scene where she's like, oh, it's really nice to see you. And he's like, yeah, nice to see you too. <laughs> like, he just he doesn't he even really look at her. Yeah. He's like, well, no, I've got to focus on about, this. Yeah, I'm going to blow up whatever's in that thing. Mm. Um, so we're closing in on the end of the episode. The Cybermen are around. We know that. And this, they, what do they call it? The big ball. Is it like the something ship or the something arc? The Genesis? Oh, no, I think that's what they call it afterwards once they find out what's in it. Right. But I thought... It's that... a void ship. It's a void ship. Void that's ship, it that's it. Yeah. Um, that ending, that cliffhanger, is so exciting. Like, I, I, I literally watched this afternoon and I was covered in goosebumps. I know exactly what's coming. But like the way the music builds and the cuts between the Doctor trapped yes. with the Cybermen and then cut into Rose and Mickey trapped in a room where you know Daleks are about to come out that ship. It's just amazing. Yeah, and yeah, and I feel like the two things that really do it for me, well, there's a lot of things. Obviously, kind of just seeing all those reactions, um, the music, Murray Gold's score there is just incredible. The, the way it builds up to that climax. And there's something just so satisfying about Nicholas Briggs's Dalek voice. Whenever... <laughs> 
you hear it, it always has like such a level of like energy and intensity. Like I, even when people come complain about Daleks, say being overused, I, I never get sick for Daleks, and a lot of that is to do with just how much passion Nicholas Briggs puts into his performance every time. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. Also, it's the Cybermen as well. Yes, absolutely. But he's the guy who does the Daleks. <laughs> um, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. The uh, what I really liked—I don't know if you caught it—was the next time trailer where it tells you what's coming up next. The the temptation just to watch the next one and then try and remember for when we next record. I know. <laughs> I it was. I'm not gonna lie. It was. I had just part of me did resist kind of moving on to the next episode because like no i want to be fresh in my mind for when we do record it yeah definitely um, it's very hard not to keep going do you have anything else i can't to say? imagine it must have been <laughs> go on <laughs> no just say like when it first came out like i can't remember exactly how i felt but i can imagine like being six years old and seeing that finale and like not being able to immediately see what happens next yeah you couldn't just push next yeah. episode. You had to wait a week. Ugh. <laughs> um, pick a pick a number, one or two. Two. Oh, okay. We'll talk about tortured. Um, <laughs> so, in confidential, they spent a lot of this week's confidential mainly talking about the fact that tortured is getting its own series with Captain Jack. Uh, for those who follow us on Twitter you will know that we're going to be doing Torchwood mega reviews. Um, so I don't, I don't know how it's going to work logistically with recording it. Uh, I know it will go up towards the end of Series 3, just before Jack returns with the Doctor and Martha, for you guys at home to listen to. I don't know how we're going to record it. We might record it pretty close then. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about that just briefly. Off the back of this... Are you how much how looking forward are you to start watching Torchwood? It's a weird one because obviously the Torchwood that we see in this episode is a very different Torchwood to the Torchwood that we see in Torchwood the show. And I've not not honestly I've not watched enough of Torchwood to understand completely how we go from this very corporate, quite you know, in some ways corrupt Torchwood to the kind of crime fighting team that we see in the uh, TV show. Yeah. So that's something I'm interested to kind of see explained and exactly how Captain Jack ends up involved with it all. Mm. Because there's no mention of Captain Jack in this episode or hint of his involvement at all. No. Uh, I started watching the first three episodes. I'm obviously going to go back and rewatch them for the podcast. But I don't think they explain it straight away. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see. And then again, they might do it, and I just completely forgot them. Um, let's do a quiz! You, you, not me. I hate being patient. Patience is for wimps. Oh, oh boy, oh heck. I'm not ready. Uh, you better be three questions. That's right. I can't found a new one. Um, what is the name of the grandparent that comes to visit the Tyler family? I want to say Dave. Francis. 
Ah, oh, it is Francis. <laughs> no, Apprentice. Grandpa, Grandpa oh, Apprentice. Apprentice. Yeah. <laughs> they only refer to him by his surname. Wait, is Prentice not a first name? No, like Grandad Prentice. I think that's Jackie's maiden name. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look, I was thinking Apprentice is a weird first name. <laughs> to the nearest million, how many viewers watched this episode when it first went out? I'm going to say... Ten. Oh, way over eight. Oh, see, I initially thought eight, but I was like, this is like Doctor Who in its peak. <laughs> Um, what is the name of the man who Freema Ajiman is flirting with over SMS, over, over text, over MNS was messaging? It, was it, was it Colin? It was Gareth. Ah! Zero out of three this week, Harry. Ah, uh, shucks. I guess it's just because I hate Doctor Who. <laughs> it's true, he does. He don't like it. I can see his I t-shirt. Just... It says "Nurse Who." Yeah, oh. I'm wearing a big, I'm wearing a big uh, t-shirt that says in bold red lettering, "I despise Doctor Who with every fiber of my being." I think talking of despising Doctor Who, I think in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to let it build up. Um, I think I start writing, start reading some hate mail out for some weird comments we're getting on some YouTube stuff, and we can just read them out and just have a laugh at some people's hate. Okay, but that's like that's not is that not is that not well you know um, buying the hand that feeds us those are our viewers right no because we're gonna laugh at them I know these people are keen on the, on our opinions but is it people who actively dislike our content yeah not dislike Doctor Who dislike us and our content and our opinions on Doctor Who okay well why are we uh... I can tell you now why are people... they watching us then. I don't... We can discuss this in hate mail whenever we get around to doing that. Uh, well, if if we do anything like that, I'm going to try and have a reserved resp- and uh, diplomatic response. Some of them are just him. some of them are just batshit crazy. I don't actually understand what they're saying. Uh, recommendations? What do you want to recommend? Before I go, I just want to tell you you were fantastic. Okay. Well, I don't know if I recommended the first series but i really like the second series so i'm gonna recommend it staged oh, i haven't seen series two yet so i don't know if you watch series one yeah. um, but, but even if you weren't massive on series one and you're kind of sick of all this you know content about lockdown i recommend series two because it is way better than series one i, I like series one but series two kind of raises the bar so much oh great michael sheen and david tennant are both as funny as ever, and there's so many great get like the amount of A-listers that they get on this show, it, it's insane. Like Whoopi Goldberg and Ben Schwartz are both series regulars now. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> in addition to the already existing cast, um, and just oh my god, I well I Whoopi Goldberg, wanna... as we discussed the other week, is a big Doctor Who fan, and Ben Schwartz, David Tennant, will probably know from Ducktales. That's right. Yeah. Every day they're out there making ducktails. Woo! Woo! Tales of daring, do bad, and good luck tales. Danger! Watch behind you. There's a stranger out to find you. There's a stranger out to find you. What to do? Just grab onto some ducktails. Woo! Woo! 
Do you watch DuckTales? No, I just know the theme tune. I don't watch DuckTales either. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll recommend. I'm not going to recommend DuckTales. I'm going to recommend a series I started watching mid last year. I watched all of series one. And I've only got two episodes left of series two that I'm going to watch tonight. Um, Life on Mars, the BBC John Sim, um, Philip Glenister drama. Um, I really want to watch Life on Mars. You want to watch it? It looks great. Oh, it's so good. I really want to watch it, yeah. It's great, you should watch it. Um, It's all on Netflix, and it's also on BBC iPlayer as well, so there's two places you can watch it. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, it's just really great fun. I have my TV licence, so (laughs) I can watch that. Uh, It's really great fun, great music, and uh, yeah, it's it's all right, yeah, good fun. Each episode's an hour as well, so it's good sit-down watch rather than just something that you watch for half an hour. Yeah, a lot a to sink one. into. Yeah, for sure. Uh, anything else you want to say, Harold? Um, uh, did you want? Do you want to hear some of my some of my Shakespeare I've been practicing? Yeah, go on then. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> no, okay. Want to. Anyway, I don't want to. Okay. I don't think you'd say yes. Uh, I've got a note here that I've wrote for myself that says, "Tell them to subscribe." Um, do we also, not do that already? No, we, it's not on my notes, so I have to write an extra note. I thought we had like in between bits where like you got Daleks telling people to subscribe. That's true. I forgot about that. Um, but also, you can follow us on Twitter at Bigger on the Inside Instagram. Instagram is a good place to follow us. We post little clips of the podcast, and I like putting up questions as well. But sometimes I forget to put them up until about five minutes before recording, and nobody gets to see them. Um, Instagram Bigger on the Pod YouTube dot com whatever that is, forward slash bigger on the inside. Acast, where a lot of people seem to be listening to the show via Acast, which is great. Um, shows.acast.com forward slash bigger on the inside. Leave a five-star review on iTunes and subscribe. Oh, yes. Anything you want to tell them to do? Take a big poop? Um, uh, you know, um, if the pandemic's still going on by the time it releases, which probably will be, um, Stay indoors, wear a mask, be responsible. Wear a mask because you're ugly, boy. You look like shit. Bye, everybody. Say bye, Harry. Bye bye. Make sure you subscribe to the official Bigger on the Inside podcast.